The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your show. I want to thank our sponsor, the All-Inclusive Podcast, featuring Jay Ruderman. Some great interviews on that show. Make sure you check it out anywhere you find your pods. And please go to pod617.com if you want your own show. This is uh, an edition of the Boston Podcast Challenge. It is the scintillating, the captivating, the compelling challenge that I pose to my guests to see how they can fare on the Boston Podcast-O-Meter on a scale from 1 to 100. And I have a, a guy here that happens to share my last name. What a coincidence, huh, Jeff? Um, it is please, quite a coincidence. Please welcome full-time graphic designer, part-time rock star, Mr. Jeff Yaz. He's here in the Thank virtual you. studio, our, our victim today. And he is in Brooklyn, New York. Don't hold that against him. He's a local boy. And uh, we're going to hear about what he does in terms of uh, – Graphic designing, and also maybe a little bit about his his band, which is called Turnpike, and uh, that's a teaser. But how, how before we get started, Jeff? How how is everything? How is all your almost post pandemic life going? Well, I feel like we're having a little bit of a pause, but in general, it's been an incredible summer for New York. I can I can safely say there is definitely a feeling of opening, and artists and musicians are definitely coming out. And doing their thing, and people are are in the streets, and it feels really different. Yeah, usually people running around the streets in New York would would have be a thought of panic, but but now it's actually a good thing. Where, are there dining, as you, as you, <laughs> dining, know, right? Dining. As you walk around town, I know Brooklyn is its own sort of planet or bubble, as some call it. But were there a lot of shops, restaurants, and things that have closed permanently due to the pandemic? Do you notice that, or not so much? Absolutely. Really? There are so many. Every, it seems like every other place because there's it's a real ju- juxtaposition of restaurants doing everything they can out into the street, you know, trying to stay afloat. And other places have been dark right next door with a street with a sign that says we're closed for COVID and you wonder when they're going to reopen. And some of them just are not going to reopen. And there's definitely uh, there's going to be a shift because, you know, we don't know what will fill those spaces and a lot of jobs that did not come back. And we're all also noticing just, you know, a rise in prices as restaurants are struggling to keep going. We're also, you know, you spend a lot more money on dinner, basically. Yeah. And there's seems to be, as I've traveled around a little bit this summer, there seems to be a national kind of lack of people to do just, you know, restaurant jobs and such. I've been hearing a lot of that. So mm-hmm. I think we can all think about what the, you know, the factors involved in that. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it just, that's kind of the big factor, like expensive food, happy to be out and a lot of closures, a lot of empty, a lot of empty storefronts for sure. That is a bummer. How long have you been in Brooklyn, by the way? Jeff was raised in since. Fr- yeah, that's right. Since '96, I remember. Oh I will. God. I will say with. I remember, just as an you know, a sort of an act of loyalty. I was on the rooftop, feeling a degree of of city pride after having been abroad for many years. And the Yankees won that year. I'm 
can't believe I'm saying this, but I did have a a rooftop moment in Mm -hmm. 96. And then I proceeded to have, you know, 20 years of, well, not quite until I guess it was 2003. You just had a lot of torture, a lot of torturous years as a Brooklyn, as a Boston Red Sox fan. I still bleed very red, you know, and we got ours. And I was at game six with Kurt Schilling, the bloody sock. Um, Nice. One of the great moments of my life. And, you know, so there's been a lot, but I have to say that, you know, New York has treated me really well. I've only been harassed a few times with my Red Sox cap, and I've discovered some really interesting, you know, Red Sox streams. Like when I was sitting next to a guy who told me that a lot of Polish guys in Brooklyn, at a certain point, became big Red Sox fans because of Yaz, which you know oh. resonates with me very, you know, very much. It was a great thing to discover. He's like, right. yeah, I'm a Red Sox fan just because when Carl came up, it was a big deal. Jeff is my cousin, um, but we are not related to the great Carl Yastrzemski. Nor Mike Yastrzemski, no. for that matter. But but I always sort of felt sort of related to him, <laughs> just because yeah. our name is that similar. And he spelled yeah, well, and he also encouraged me to lean into the Z. And, you know, our name <laughs> right. is spelled with an S. But growing up in the echoes of of Carl Yastrzemski, you just I couldn't help it. I just loved how Yaz sounded. Well, ironically, Yastrzemski itself is spelled with an S, as we spell our name. So we Correct. but 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 everyone knows him as Yaz, and most people know us as Yaz. All right, we have a game to get to here, Jeffrey, my Good. friend. Let's get some game show music going. Hey! Doesn't that just feel like we're back in 1962? And Let's play the game. So the first, there are four phases to the Boston Podcast Challenge. The first one is just called Blankety Blank, where you fill in the blank. Now, uh, Jeff, I know, I know this is just an audio podcast, but so our viewers can't see you're a redhead. Would you consider yourself a proud redhead? Finally, I do. That's not the question, but (laughs) the reason why I ask is because I have selected five movies that have the word red in them, and you just have to name the title after I give you the description. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. First first one. It is the dawn of World War III. In the West Mountains of America, a group of teenagers band together to defend their town and their country from invading Soviet forces from 1984. What movie was that? That would be Red Dawn. That's right. Off to a flying start. Or I could say also well Red Dawn. <laughs> you, you, I'm, I'm getting into my boss lane here. Red and there's Dawn. two of those, right? Did anyone see the most recent one? I have yes. no idea. I'm a little scared. I Why noticed that good? I noticed that in doing the research. I don't know whether they killed it or not. I don't know no, why we no needed to do Red Dawn. Right. Of course no Swayze. Somebody yeah. put Patrick Swayze in a corner. Oh, terrible joke. Buzzing mm, myself nice. for that. Here's the next movie featuring the word red, an adaptation of James Jones's autobiographical 1962 novel focusing on the conflict at Guadalcanal during the Second World War. That from 1998, I believe. War movie. Featuring yeah, the word I, red. I, I, I just bridge over the river quiet is the only thing I can think of right now. Yeah. It's like the, my head is just exploding. It's red a, in it. It's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. It starred some actors. Does that give it away? No, it starred. Sorry. I will clean this up. Adapted by the book by James Jones. That doesn't help. Starring uh, Jim Caviezel, Sean Penn, and Nick Nolte. That probably doesn't help. No, I have to pass okay. on this okay. one. I don't know this. this, was, this is That's the thin red line. The thin red line. Okay. Should have known that one. That's all right. It's a pretty good movie, actually. I had never seen it until recently. 1990 American submarine spy thriller film directed by John McTiernan, based on the 1984 novel by Tom Clancy. I bet you know that. Yep, that's Hunt for Red October. That's right. Very good. By the way, you get five points for each of these heading towards your... Awesome. You're not going to get a perfect score of 100, but the, the score to beat is... They should, do a, 
They should remake that one. How about like a reboot-ish kind of thing? Like you don't need yeah, to reboot. tell the same story. Das Boot, nice. <laughs> nice reference to the original inspiration for that film, probably. No? Good, good one by you. I don't know. Good one by I, you. Das Boot is a serious submarine film for those who want to go deep down. All right, but. you're stalling. You're stalling. A man, a, two more movies. A man picked randomly out of a crowd is made the target of a CIA surveillance and pursuit. Comedy from 1985, starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> 1985? 1985. It's kind of a hard one. People forget about this movie. Yeah, this is not on his list that you right. normally see. The Man with One Red Shoe is what we were looking mm. for. Yes. Mm. And uh, finally, 1984 romantic comedy film starring and directed by Gene Wilder. It also co-stars Charles Grodin, Gilda Radner, Joseph Bologna, Judith Ivey, and scene stealer Kelly LeBrock from 1984. Movie is. You can only think of all of me right now. That's my problem. I st- one well, movie gets in there, back in bowl. Forget it, about it. I it's can't. got red in it, and I can tell yeah, you that. Red in it. And that the 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 title of the movie describes the Kelly LeBrock character. So if you were to describe, <laughs> how could I have not seen this? I don't understand. I bet you I, saw. It. I don't know. I. I that's don't know. okay. That's okay. You got two. That's pretty good. The woman in red. The woman in red is what we we're looking I for. Known that. That's okay. Who is don't get directed that. by? Gene Wilder, the late Gene Wilder, late great Gene Wilder. What's wrong with me? I thought I'd seen all of his movies, <laughs> and probably all of Tom Hanks' movies too. But I, you know, so I had crazy. Well, I, I had mean, to... what's going on? <laughs> now we're up to story time. That's right. It's the where's the story time music? There it is. The name of this music is Ponies and Balloons. Isn't that fun? It's story time in which our guest Jeff Yask gets to tell his story, and then I may give him some questions quizzing him on what he just told us or related things tell us about how you got into graphic design jeff what your business is is like these days what you're good at all that stuff yeah i am i'm I'm a what you call a brand identity designer and so i focus a lot on logos and websites and in general just marketing a company's brand identity through its various media channels social media mobile apps and that's been really important for me because i enjoy you know working on the the intersection of storytelling and and design. So I enjoy putting words, photos, typography, texture, all into something that kind of tells, tells a visual story and helps the, the reader engage with something on a visual level. And that does come out of my love of, of literature also as well. But as a designer, I think I started out, you know, toying around with early Macs with that, that app print shop that they had making birthday banners. This is going to date me a little bit, but we all have those dot matrix printers and we printed our birthday banners sideways out of those printers. It took about a half an hour. You ran out of ink and it looked (laughs) like it looked terrible, but it was fun to make. And I think, you know, on that little black and white screen tinkering in my parents' basement, I definitely got started on a comfortability with Mac. So I eventually, you know, went to the Middle East after studying at University of Massachusetts and I, where I'd studied anthropology. And I, I didn't really sort of find my design lane until much later. I, I was very interested in archaeology in the past, especially growing up in Framingham. I didn't sense there was too many layers there. There are a lot of layers in Framingham, but mm-hmm. I always wanted to get to a place where there are, you could see all the different, you know, layers of history kind of visibly as you walk around. So I was, felt like I was destined for an old city, moved to Jerusalem, found some Yaz relatives there, actually. A wonderful woman named Lydia Grishoni hired me to be in the Antiquities Authority, and I was an archaeologist for three years. And when I came back to, to, to New York, just wanting to kind of start a family and do, you know, have my life there, I 
I was, you know, enrolled in a, in a graduate program at NYU and I was studying Middle Eastern studies and learning Arabic and Hebrew. And I just, at some point became aware that my life was not destined for endless writing. I just kept taking courses in HTML or design at NYU on the side to kind of supplement. I was very interested in calligraphy and Arabic writing and Hebrew, mm. uh, ancient Hebrew text. And I just kept sneaking away and finding things design in the world of archeology span or anthropology. And so I eventually kind of changed course and learned all the software again, which felt like my old childhood coming back, all that print shop stuff. And I learned Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, and. And at the time it was Quark, now it's InDesign. And since then, I've kind of been building a career in New York. I started in production studios, helping with just resizing ads and built my portfolio up to now where people hire me to really give them my full creative sort of artist perspective, you know, rethink their whole story. Usually people come to me having been frustrated with working with other designers or paying too much for services they didn't love. And I help them rethink everything. I have a partner named Sue Kramer who has a business, uh, Connecting Dots Guru, and she and I tend to team up on some big projects and really can make a difference for businesses that are struggling to like reimagine themselves in today's, today's world of visual imagery. A lot of people feel like it's just going to be too much work to update their website or redo their logo, and yet feel like they might be missing out on some engagement as they see styles evolve and change. So, you know, living in Brooklyn, being kind of a, a fast-paced individual and teaming up with someone like Sue, I'm able to, you know, really offer people the pulse of what's happening in design and translate it into their own needs. So, for example, there was a law, a law firm just came to us, uh, came to me and needed a, a sign, and it could have been a simple project, but I really thought about the entire neighborhood that the sign was being put up in and gave them some new brand colors that kind of better position them and turned it into a real sort of artistic process when I think they were, it was more than they expected and it's, it's paying off. We're, we're really happy to see that be built. Well, Jeff, so that's kind of, Jeff, yeah, that's bef me. Before I forget, sure. where's the website people can go to learn more about? Oh, sure. It's uh, yasgraphics.com. So Y-A-S graphics.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm also posting a lot on Instagram. Some of my illustrations and my creative work is yasgraphical. So just add cool. an L at the end, graphical, okay. I guess. And so yeah, www.yazgraphics.com or yazgraphical yeah, Instagram. Do you, do you yeah. specialize in any particular industry or, or you can work with any kind of company outfit? That's a great question. Sue and I do a lot of work with travel and luxury brands uh, and also wellness, especially. We do spas, um, resorts, restaurants, um, those kind of things. Personally, I love to do album cover work, uh, book cover work and some illustration work. I also particularly specialize in annual reports and corporate presentations. So a lot of times if someone has got something in PowerPoint, they need to clean it up. They have, a, sometimes it's hard to find that right designer to make, you know, bring it into full beauty. Uh, and so I help with, with corporate presentations quite a bit. So those are my big specialties. But logos, I think, is like at the center of it all. A lot of times people come to me for a poster and I end up letting them know that they probably need to just rethink the logo and their color palette, create a new style guide, and then everything kind of flows from that. Um, and that's where we really offer a big service. It's just like the, the big change that can help ripple out into all your different areas by getting a real true artist with some experience in, in the design field, as opposed to just someone that knows all the software and drops some you know stock photos in and mm. creates you a, a quick little logo. Um, we're not like that. We're kind of, I'm a, I'm a deep thinker and we really listen to the story and it becomes a very personal fun relationship actually what's great with working with with me i don't want to toot my own horn but it does become fun i love to make design process just this great 
collaborative, you know, humorous experience. And so people really appreciate that, I found. Uh, well, I appreciated so, it yeah. when I hired you to do the logo for pod617.com. And I've stuck with that logo ever since, and we love it. You, yeah, you, we love you it. made it look Boston-y and, and spiffy as well. So good on you. So yazgraphics.com, go there, find out everything about what uh, Jeff does. Speaking of what Jeff does, right now Jeff is going to try to uh, answer some questions that I post inspired by Storytime. So talking about designing logos, what logo secretly contains an arrow? It is a, I, I guess I can tell you the industry, unless you know it off the top. You don't have to. I think I got it. Yep. FedEx. That's right. Very good. I love that logo. Yeah, it is great. I, you know, I had a real, I, I think I realized that only recently. You look mm-hmm. at it forever and you don't see the arrow. It's true. That's what's so genius there's, about there's it. There's something else that's buried in it, I think. I, anyway, yeah, okay. Yeah, I love when that the, logo. You mentioned, you mentioned the early days and the later days of using a Mac. When the Mac, when the Mac first came out in the 80s, it had an application to basically to draw. It was the Apple version of drawing something. Do you remember what that application was called? Was it called Notepad? No, I'm going to give you a hint before. I'm going okay, to give ahead. you a mulligan sure. on that. It, everything, yep. ev- don't forget, everything with Mac began with Mac. It was Mac. This, oh, yeah, Mac that's this. right. right. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm going to say Mac Draw. Yeah, no, it was called Mac, no. Paint, Mac Paint. Mac right. Paint. Right. Oh, yeah. how did I not know that? Yeah, that's all right. All right. Let's see. We're talking about advertising, so I'm going to ask you a question about Mad Men. In, uh, Great. in a memorable episode of Mad Men, Don Draper manages to pull some shenanigans so that the firm doesn't have to create an advertising campaign for this presidential candidate. Don't forget we're in the 60s, and I'll give you a hint. He was a Republican candidate for president in the 60s. <laughs> kind of a famous kind of a famous guy. I mean... Don't overthink it. Uh, well, Nixon is coming to mind, but... That's right. That's right. Uh, just, just, yeah, oh, I got the Nixon? answer. Okay. Well, yes. Right. yes. Got it. Okay, yes. thank you. Don didn't care for, for Nixon. I did so. say Nixon. Right. You, you did. It's the only one you said. I said it. Thank you. All right. Um, you said there are not a lot of layers in Framingham, which reminded me, of course, of a line from uh, the movie Shrek, where Shrek says, ogres are like this. They have a lot of layers. And I can tell you it is a, it's something that you eat. That has like that has like ogres. Oh, yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. He, he eats onions. That's right. Well, I don't know if he eat, eats them, but that's what he used. To, no, I, I think. Well, okay. Onions. <laughs> I'm gonna say onions. Bob. Still right. Still, still nice. right. Well Great. done. And finally, you said uh, when you mentioned the first kind of things that you like working with, you said words, photos, and then the third word, which is I believe four I, syllables. I think it was it was either type or typography. That's right. Well done. All right. You're very well in story time. Let's uh, move on to uh, through the years or something. I need a better. Can I? Is there a possibility of just me adding one more thing in the story time? Yes, of course. Of course. Okay. Go ahead. I would be remiss if I didn't mention my my work with the Brooklyn Conservatory of Music, which has kept me close to the pulse of Brooklyn and children and music. And also they have a beautiful staff that has really supported me personally and all of us through COVID. So the Brooklyn Conservatory of Music is a place where I work half time and I provide all of their design and banners and marketing for their incredible work that they do. And they keep, they keep many, many New Yorkers in rich with music in their lives that otherwise would not have it. So it's been a great, you know, part of my life to be doing design at a place that I feel so, so good about. So I want to mention Brooklyn Conservatory of Music. Yeah. 
And it's a good, it's a good segue because the next session we're going to do concerns music. I know you're a huge music fan and just, I'll give you 30 seconds to plug your, your rock band. I promised. So tell us about Turnpike and if you're, sure. you're playing anytime. Sure. Soon. That's the, that's Turnpike, yeah. not Turnpike Troubadours. I love them, but we have about a million less followers. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> yep. So if you look on Spotify or Apple music anywhere, you're going to find Turnpike and we have a album called leaving camp town. And my mom's family is a, come from the Fosters. And so we, I have a song about modified version of a camp town races, Stephen Foster song. So it all comes back to mm. leaving camp town. It's an album on Spotify by, by Turnpike. We're a Brooklyn band, like kind of alternative folk, all original, and I tell a lot of stories, even some Yaz stories in those songs. Nice. I love it. Hi, I'm Jay Ruderman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. So th- now in the year by year or what, what, what year, whatever we call this segment, I'm going to give you an event and I'm going to give you actually an album and you're going to tell me what year the album came out, but you get a pretty big hint because all of these came out in the seventies. Now, if you nail it, you get five points. If you're off by one, you get four points and so on. So are you ready? Doesn't, ready. doesn't matter. We're doing it anyway. All right. The clash is London calling. What year did that come out in the seventies? 77. No, but only off by two, 79. So we're going to give you three points for that. Oh, well wow, done. Later than I thought. All right. Elton, Elton, where is he? Jeff has left the building. No, he's not. He's Are you getting a guitar? No, okay. All right. Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road came out in what year? I'm going to say 73. Only off by one, 74. So okay. nicely All done, right. nicely done there. All right. Frampton Comes Alive, which <laughs> Wayne and Wayne's World said was issued to every kid who lived in the suburbs. What year did that come out? See, that could have been one of those albums that got popular later with us, but was really early. See, I don't think it was the late... Phantom, Phantom comes live. All right, we're going to assume he's not early, even though he probably had a whole early 70s career that I'm unaware of. I'm going to go with uh, 77 on that one. 76, only off by one. All right. Racking like up some points. My- Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Where mm. did that come up? I'm going to go with, like, I mean, it's, that's early. That's I think it's going to be, like, 70. I'll go with 70. No, 70, not till 77, if you can believe that. Whoa. Yeah. And I finally. I be wrong on that one. Yes, you do. Completely wrong. Finally, uh, Billy Joel's 52nd Street came out in what year? In the 70s. Mm. The big I'll year. Go with 78 on that one. That's right. How to end on a strong note. 1978, yes. Yeah, nothing else happened that year. There was no heartbreaking defeats. It was fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I equate Billy Joel albums with the summers of, of Red Sox, you know, success and failure i mean i can i just have this memory of in 70 eh, well what year did the stranger come out i don't know i felt like every saturday i spent listening to billy joel and watching jim rice hit a home run until october and then, <laughs> and then or, or september and then bad things would happen all i right. can confirm that that is true you guys were all <laughs> obsessed with billy joel for many years so that 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 is a fact that i could very much confirm yep all right we're up to the final part 
of the Boston Podcast Challenge, and we're going to play the feud. That's right. So, this is easy, Jeff. Easy sailing here. These are family feud style questions, which I am using without permission from Mark Goodson and or Bill Todman. Whatever the names are. And you, we get the top five answers on the board. If you pick the number one, you get five, uh, number two, four, and so on. So a survey of 100 people posed the following question. Fill in the blank. Raging blank. Raging blank. What do you got? Raging blank, raging blank? No, but <laughs> ra- raging something. That If you had to finish the Fill in the blank. Oh, okay. Ra- well, raging. I'm definitely going to say Raging Bull. I mean, I'm a De Niro. Raging man, Bull so. is the number one answer. Very nice. good. Number uh, two is Raging Waters, then Raging Fire. Raging Hormones was number four. Jesus, okay. I would have gotten all of those wrong. No, I mean, I never would have guessed any of those. Okay, keep going. All right. Name an animal, starting with the letter C, that you'd never want to eat. <laughs> Got a weird question. I was going to say... That most people would say that's the trick because that's right. the game. Right. So survey said. Right. So that's going to be that's going to be either a camel or a chameleon. So I'm going to go with uh, no one's going to want to eat a camel. Camel. Camel is the number two answer. Not bad. Sweet. We'll give you four points for that. But you missed kind of an obvious cat. Yes. There you go. <laughs> okay. I should have said that. Yeah, it's all right. I should have said it. Okay. Yep. Other than feet, name something that runs. And when they say feet, they mean a person or an animal. So th- these are all things that run that are not, that doesn't describe someone actually putting feet that, you, you know, you know, the question is right. Sort of. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go with it. Something else that runs besides feet. Right. On an animal and humans. Well, right. So you're not going to yeah. get marathon or you're not going to get, you know, a dog. It's, it's, it's really the, it's, the question is really asking something that runs using the metaphor, not the metaphor. I don't even know what the word is. It, it, not the not the use of the word run, which is actually putting limb in front of limb. Right. It's the run meaning a using a secondary meaning of the word run. But not this is not the refrigerator joke, right? Well, that could it could be that could be if that's your guess, that's your guess. That that would fall into the, this category exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to say refrigerator. Well, you, that's <laughs> we'll give you. Uh, three points for that because that is the number three answer. So not oh bad. God. It was painful. It was, that was a, yeah. Right. Number one was water or toilet. Number two was engine or car. Okay. Huh. Two more questions. Mm-hmm. Name something a person might keep in a cellar. In a, in the mm. in the cellar, ma cellar. ma. I gotta Sorry. go down the cellar. Oh yeah, I brought it in through the bulkhead. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, there's this is not my final answer, but there's definitely dead body. You know, in all the shows that I watch, there's always a dead body in the basement. <laughs> Under the cement, but the cement likes a little different color, like discoloration. Mm-hmm. I would go with, I guess, a, an ice chest. Let's go with an ice chest. Um, like, a, oh no, uh, okay, let's yeah, yeah, ice ice chest. I'll give it to you. It's canned goods Bridge. or food. Uh, food is the number two answer. Uh, We're going to be generous, and we'll give really you generous. yeah the food. Yeah, the number one answer was wine. Number three answer was dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> and, Knew the, it. and the final question, give me another word people say for rear end. I mean, can we say ass? Like, is yeah. that an yeah, acceptable yes. family feud answer? Yes, you can. All right, I want to go with ass then. Okay, that is the number two answer. We'll give you four points for that. Well done. Um, All right. Now, the number one answer might be a little more obvious. Another word for ass. Bum. Yeah, well, but. But, but, but. slash. Oh, yeah, but. Sorry, but. 
It's right in front of me. Bus, it's like that's right okay. there. No, it's behind you. Thank you. Backside, derriere, bottom, or Heine. Heine was the number uh, six answer. Is... None of these are the, in the Missy Elliott <laughs> lexicon. I mean, let's see. So far on the Boston Podcast Challenge, our challenges have recorded scores including 47, 43, 52, 64. The leader in the clubhouse is Scott Katz at 75. Jeff Yaz, was he able to beat that? Score up. 66. It is the, 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 it's the second highest score ever recorded on the Boston Podcast Challenge. So you didn't even need to give me the generous one. I wonder where I would have fallen had you not given me Icebox. Well, yeah, Let's but just say I, I probably screwed you out of a point somewhere anyway. So yeah, exactly. um, six, 66 exactly. is, is very solid. You hit 660 Sweet. and you're in the Hall of Fame. Wow. So People really don't give me enough credit. <laughs> they don't. I'm giving you as much freaking credit as I can here. I'm crediting yeah, you. You are, but everyone me. else seems to treat me like I'm a little. And now, now I'm getting my due right here. You this are. Is, this is science. Once again, Jeff Yaz, go to yazgraphics.com. Did I get that right? You did. Why, don't forget, it's Y-A-S. That's how we spell our name, people. Yazgraphics.com. Yep. Go to Spotify and check out all the great music by Turnpike. And I hope you had fun, Jeff. I had a blast. I'm coming back. You can't, you can't keep me away. <laughs> okay. We will have you as a return see if you can top your score. Next time, we'll yep. get you on with a co-contestant, which is more fun. Oh, that'd be great. And that way you can trash talk a little bit. That'd be great. No, All I right. could bring my friend Sue on. I could bring my friend Dave on. I've got some, I've got some interesting characters in my... You sound my like you camp. just reverted to your third grade self. I've got a friend named Sue. I've got a friend yep. named Dave. <laughs> well, anyone that knows me knows that it hasn't gotten that much more evolved <laughs> since then. Thank you, Jeff Yaz. You're a good man, as far as I know. And thank I know, you, and I actually... Thank you to our sponsor, the all-inclusive podcast with Jay Ruderman. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you find your pods. And go to pod617.com if you want your own podcast. That is what we do here out of our Westwood Studios, Westwood Mass Studios, and remotely. On behalf of Jeff from the hard scrabble streets of Framingham, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody! 